Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I am thrilled that you joined us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation that you're not going to want to miss because we're going to be talking about is dementia reversible and what does that look like? You're not going to want to miss it. That's all I'm going to say. But before I introduce our guest today, I always like to just give you a little background on who we are and what we do. My name is Lori LeBay. I'm the founder of Alzheimer Speaks, and I started this company because my mom had dementia for 30 years. Taught me some beautiful lessons, and I'm continuing to learn those and to try to raise other people's voices so that families can get the support that they need and that business professionals can find other alternatives as well. We are, bottom line, an advocacy-based company trying to shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort around the world. And again, we do that by listening to everyone. So you could easily be our next guest. We interview people with dementia, families, researchers, businesses, authors, movie directors, songwriters, advocates. doesn't make any difference who you are. If you have an opinion or a thought, we'd love to be able to hear how, how you feel we could live better with dementia. Um, we also help companies expand their brand footprint by sharing and leveraging our content. Because again, we think it's really important for people to be able to get the information that they need when they need it. And I, I just have to say thank you to all of you because of your likes, your clicks, and your shares of our content, you have expanded our footprint greatly. And I really appreciate that because being a family member and trying to find information can be overwhelming. And so the more we can work together, the better off I think we'll all be. So, you know, continue to do that if, you, if you'd if you be so kind and think about being a guest and reaching out to me on alzheimerspeaks.com. Now, I do also want to just give a shout out to a few different companies. One I am really excited about. They are actually coming to Minnesota where I live in um, White Bear, August 6th and 7th. And that is the Silver Dawn Training Institute. Most of you know them as Dementia Raw. And they are two gals that are just full of life and spirit. And their approach they call unscripted, unconventional, and unapologetic. And they do training through improv. And it's, it's just, I, I just can't wait to, to be with them again. I, I met them a few years back. They have a really unique approach. Um, it's about saying yes and entering the dementia world and how to do that in a respectful fashion. And all of their techniques are applicable to all of life and just make us be a little bit more present and expand our knowledge base and our perceptions of what's really going on. So if you're interested in um, taking this course, when they, if you're in Minnesota, you can go to uh, cdcsdementiaraw.com 
cdcsdementiaraw.com. They also will be in other portions of the country too. So if you're interested in having them come to you, um, feel free to reach out to them. You won't be disappointed. Uh, you can also go to Dementia Raw on Facebook and they have dementia challenges that are really cool that will change your perception of what it's like to live with dementia um, by by just testing some things out in public and seeing what uh, what kind of stigmas pop up from people around you. And um, uh, they just approach things uh, in a real different light that I think will, will help all of us. I also want to give a shout out to the Roberto app, which me measures brain function through video games. And this was devised by a, a bunch of athletes, professional athletes, that wanted to know what, what the heck was going on with their brain. And they're also bringing this into schools and doing school challenges and bringing it into businesses for team building. But it, it measures all the different parts of your brain to figure out what's working and what's not. And there may be uh, things that you find that are happening in your life that could be stress or maybe you're not getting enough sleep or you're not drinking enough water um, and you'll see some patterns or maybe you'll decide, oh, Maybe it's time to go in and talk to a doctor and see what's going on. But you can just go to the robertoapp.com or you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com and get an extended um, free trial um, through our banner app to and test it out first if you want. And then, of course, I have to give a shout out to Maria Shriver. She just wrapped up her move for the mines. Um, and she has a group called uh, the Women's Alzheimer's Movement. And she's got some great videos. She did uh, four different panels throughout the country this year, and they're all taped. They're about an hour long, but she has some of the top researchers and um, just some really interesting information, and all four of them are different. You can find that on the women's Alzheimer's movement.org. She's really pushing the bar for them to do research and see the difference between men and women, and they've come up with some interesting results. Well, let me go ahead and introduce our, our guest today. I am very excited to have uh, Dr. William Welch with us, who is a retired uh, physician. And we're going to be talking about, you know, what have we been told about dementia? And is it really true? And what has he found out through his career? Um, Dr. Welch graduated from... Um, a medical school in Omaha, Nebraska, and after spending two years in the U.S. Air Force, he attended and graduated with a fellowship in allergies in uh, the Mayo Clinic right here in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, he also practiced as a specialist in allergy and immunology in St. Paul, Minnesota. And uh, he is a diplomat from the um, American Board of Allergy and a fellow in the American uh, College of Allergy. So he has just a great background. He's authored several different books and um, I'm just thrilled to have him with us today. And he happens to live here in Minnesota. So um, welcome, Dr. Walsh, how are you doing today? Oh, thank you, I'm very pleased to be here. I think this is exciting. Well, good, good. Now I was introduced uh, to Dr. Walsh through Pam. And Pam Solstead uh, holds her bachelor's degree from the University of Wisconsin in Stout, and it has a master's from Texas uh, A&M. And in 2013, she retired after 29 years as a 3 mer 
which again is a big Minnesota company here, which a lot of people know all over the world. And at the same time she retired, her husband, John, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And um, Pam and John are actually members of Arthur's Memory Cafe, which I facilitate. So welcome, Pam. How are you doing today? Thanks. Absolutely. Well, good, 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 good. Well, before I get started in my line of questions, I'm going to ask you both um, one simple question. And I'm going to start out, Pam, with you, if you don't mind. And that is, have you been personally touched by dementia, which I mentioned John? Has, has dementia, but have you had others in your family or, or circle of friends? Actually, my uncle has dementia, and my husband's aunt has uh, had Alzheimer's. Okay, so yeah, definitely touched. How, how about you, Dr. Walsh? Have you been touched by dementia? Oh, I sure have. Um, much more touched than I ever wanted to be. Um, uh, I have Alzheimer's myself. And in 2015, I found out the hard way that I had it. Uh, one of the things that's, that's a characteristic of Alzheimer's patients is that they're the last ones who ever realize that they have it. And I was like that too. And I know that I was having trouble with speaking and with uh, remembering things. Uh, and this came to a head, actually, uh, when I joined uh, the Ramsey County Library Board and was head of their program committee, and we had we gave um, a, a luncheon in the spring, and I was the I had the, had the honor of introducing the speaker, and I knew I was having trouble with my with my thinking and and remembering things, so I thought, well, fine, I'm going to get this talk ready, all I had to do is say a five minute or say this is a wonderful person, she works for the paper, she's very knowledgeable in what she's gonna be saying. Those are easy things to say, but I couldn't. So I wrote it all out and I, I uh, sat there and tried to memorize it and I, I realized I couldn't memorize it. I was just, I was just um, stumped about it. So I thought, fine, what I'm going to do is I, I'll just read this, what I've got written out. And so at the meeting, at the luncheon, I stood up and uh, I started to read it. And all of a sudden, I, I couldn't understand what I had down in paper. And I had to sit down. She had to introduce herself. And that was just catastrophic. And at that time, I said, okay, Bill, you you must know what's going on. You are suffering from Alzheimer's. And if you don't change this really quickly, you're not going to be around very long. And, and this will just continue to get worse all the time. So that's my experience. When you say, have I been touchy? Yes, I have with a <laughs> two by four. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. Now, um, Dr. Walsh, you have authored a lot of books, and the one that we're going to be focusing on today the most is Retaining the Mind. And um, I wanted to know, you know, this isn't your first book, um, but can you tell the, the audience about some of your other books that you've published as well? My first book I published in 1991. And uh, actually, I have a copy that's sitting here. Not that I want anybody to ever have it, but this is it, 1991. And I was in the field of allergy, and I loved the field. And I was learning more about it. Uh, at that time, 
we tended to think people who had odd symptoms where it was due to psychological problems there and tension and anxiety. And for me, I never thought that way. I thought, you know, it'd just be interesting to find the reason for it. And allergy gave me the chance to meet these people and try to figure out what's going on. And I realized that a lot of these problems were coming out of the diet. And so I thought, well, I'll write out, uh, I'll, I'll put out a book and try to spread this knowledge so that people know what's going on. And so that was 1991. And I re-put out a book about every two years since that time um, because I kept learning more and more things. And the book right now, this, this book is so out of date that I, I'm not uh, urging anybody at all to follow it. Uh, because uh, every time that I republished, um, I had learned more and was able to communicate more. And uh, now ending with this current book, Retaining the Mind. Uh, in all, up, up until now, up until these other books, I actually have five books in these series. And it's been always about food allergy. But this time, this book was, uh, I wrote after going through uh, this terrible experience uh, at um, uh, introducing the speaker and realizing that I had trouble. And so this book I wrote about uh, dementia and how I came back out of it, because obviously I've come out of it. Okay. Um, wonderful. Well, uh, thank you for letting, letting us know that. I will, uh, I have a list of, of your books um, that I'll put on with the blog because um, you have Treating uh, the Food Allergy My Way, the Food Allergy Book, um, Treating Sinus, Migraine, and Cluster Headaches is, along with Food Allergies, the Complete Guide to Understanding and um, and uh, relieving your food allergies, and now the retaining your mind, how how foods we eat can affect our brain. And so I'll put all of those out on the blog so that people can see, you know, the various various ones that you've done. Um, why did you decide to write, you know, retaining the mind? Well, because life has been so good to me that I just felt I owed something. Um, I, I had a wonderful practice. I had nurses that I, well, I loved. I, that means likes deeply. <laughs> yeah, it's sad you have to define that these days. <laughs> I, uh, they, it was just pleasant because they, we, I, the patients would come in, we'd, we'd approach it as a group, as a, as a group. And, and most of the time we were able to give them a lot of relief and, and uh, nice, nice practice, and, and um, I was in the practice for 40 years, and I feel very strongly that uh, society and my patients were good to me, and I owed something, and I can't pay them back, but I can pay forward to people who might run into these problems, and that's the reason for writing it. Uh, I feel very strongly that. Um, the kind of a Bible saying that uh, if, for those who have been given a lot, uh, much is required. And I feel that I need to go out and help people with that. And another thing, having, uh, having Alzheimer's, 
uh, the reason I was able to come out of it is because uh, I learned the foods that were causing nerve problems in people. And when I said, I said to myself, finally, you know, you've got Alzheimer's, you've got to change. I knew that I had to take that diet and just stick closely to it. And I still have to stick closely to it. If I, I give talks and I like to give talks. If, if I depart from my diet... Uh, significantly, uh, I am unable to speak. And so uh, before I give a talk, I make sure that I'm doubly good about my diet. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is that like everybody else who follows the diet, I cheat a little bit when I can get by with it. <laughs> okay. Well, great. I think that, that that just helps people out too in terms of, you know, how strict you have to be with, with certain things. So it's nice to know that you you cheat once in a while too. Um, now, Pam, Dr. Walsh was actually your physician. Can you tell us a little bit about what, why you decided to go to him, and and um, what kind of results did you did he have? Well, um, probably about twenty plus years ago, I had severe migraine headaches to the point that I wanted to run into the nearest wall, thinking that that might cure them. And I'd gone to doctors and I had gotten all different types of prescriptions, but you know, that it, nothing worked. And so my doctor referred me to Dr. Walsh. We went in and he actually gave me along with a lot of questions. He also gave me one of his books to read and he asked me two questions in particular. Number one, he said, are you drinking or eating a lot of, um, saccharin, aspartame, MSG in your diet? And I said, yes, yes, and yes, a lot. And he said, well, you know, we've discovered that those things actually cause headaches. And so you might want to start cutting those things out of your diet. And I can say within two to three weeks after I cut them out, I pretty much have had no migraines. Um, unless every once in a while, I might get MSG and something by mistake. But I have not had a migraine in years, and it's all because of Dr. Walsh. Wow. Thank you. That's, you that's fantastic. Do you mind if I make a comment here? Oh, sure. Go ahead. One of the books that I, that I published, and it is really out of date now. Uh, don't read that. Go to the, the book that I've recently published. is Treating Sinus Migraine and Cluster Headaches. And I used to have a huge practice in patients coming in with headaches, uh, like Pam. And how did I get so smart as to know where these problems were coming from and which foods caused them? Well, I just asked the people who came in and said, what, what set you off? And over a period of time with seeing really several hundred migraine patients, I gradually developed this list of things that set off migraine headaches. And so I, when I... I wondered why they were these foods were doing it, and so I investigated the, those foods. And at that, and I found out that under the appropriate circumstance, these foods, which are mostly good foods, I, there's there's nothing terrible about them, except under certain circumstances, they are poisonous. Uh, and for instance, if you look at uh, a migraine headache. Uh, 
if they, 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 the poisonous affects nerves and that what, what matters and what, why that diet worked for migraine headaches and also works for uh, my own uh, dementia is that uh, if you look at people suffering migraine headaches, if through their head, they have uh, arteries and nerves and, and in places they run closely together. Uh, and the artery here is, keeps thumping on that nerve, just thump, thump, thump with the, with the pulse of the artery. And uh, the, the, the nerve isn't bothered at all. It has no problem, except if the nerve is damaged. And if you take away the things that are damaging the nerve, then the, the the artery can go back to thumping on that nerve again without this migraine headache. And that's, so that's, that's where I got my um, uh, diet for, for uh, letting nerves heal themselves. And where I went when I discovered that I had um, Alzheimer's, that, that's where I went. I went through that, back to that diet and really followed it closely. And um, many of the symptoms that I used to suffer uh, were very characteristic. If, if I might mention a couple of them for people who might suffer the same thing. Sure. One is that um, if uh, uh, when, when I had, when I was affected by uh, Alzheimer's dementia. Uh, I'm still affected to some degree. Let me tell you, I, I can do some pretty dumb things, and thank God I've got an excuse. That, oh, that's because of my dementia, not because I've done something stupid. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, the uh, I lost myself. That can happen. What was? You were going to tell us some examples. Um, if I get too excited, I have to be. I, I give talks, and I enjoy it, and I enjoy seeing people and talking but I have to be careful if I get too excited about something because then I lose it mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's something I'd never that never happened to me before and you just saw dementia in action <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for sharing appreciate that because it is it can be a lot of little subtle things that people overlook one of the way, ways that I look at and try to figure out if somebody has dementia um, is to look at the length of their sentences when I had the, the dementia it was it was really striking me heavily I couldn't talk in long sentences because uh, I had I'd lose my, as I just did, you just saw that happen. I'd lose my concentration, uh, and I'd forget how I started the sentence by the time I got to the end of it. And so I used to be the master of the short sentence. Uh, Hi, George, how are you doing? How's the family? And people didn't realize how much trouble I was having. Uh, but also it didn't allow me really to give any talks or anything like that. And the other thing that... that uh, I had is that, and you'll notice me at times right now, that I, I will at times have trouble bringing a word up that I should know. And that's where the hesitation, I might go partly all the way through a sentence and just stuck in it and you see me hesitate and I'm trying to bring that word up and then it comes up again. 
uh, at that time, uh, they wouldn't come up. Now it does. And every, every week that goes by, as long as I'm careful about what I eat, uh, my memory comes back much better, like it's better now than it was uh, last year. Uh, this happened to me three, year, uh, three years ago. It happened in spring of 2015. Uh, 2015. Uh, and uh, it's been a progressive return. And that's kind of interesting because that's one part. If you, if you stop poisoning the darn nerves, uh, then you can get a, a lot of your memory back and your mind back again. It is known that even in, they, they study this in the laboratory animals and even in older laboratory animals, uh, there's a constant production of new nerves uh, in, in the animal. And you know also that if, like, if you take a piano and really study it hard, your your brain will grow in a different area. Some area will be big that uses that. And so the brain is not a static organism. It has the ability to return, but if it's returning into a poisonous atmosphere, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're really thinking that... Um Alzheimer's and dementia can be reversible and controllable versus the National Institute on Aging um, and Health that, that says they really feel that it's irreversible and it's progressive. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Uh, and um, it's difficult for me with that, although I, not that difficult. I, I appreciate that there's a hardness to it. And that's that uh, a lot of people, particularly in the field, do not believe that I'm telling the truth, that I did come back out of it. Um, and uh, I get no, I, 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 I'm not doing this to gather fame or to gather money. I'm simply doing it to let people know that there's a way out of it. And um, this, uh, this definition by the uh, NIH that, uh, Alzheimer's is irreversible and progressive is true, but only if you don't know where it's coming from. And, and there is a way of knowing where it's coming from and to know what to do with it. Well, and I think that that's interesting because we keep hearing about all the medications that, you know, are, well, no, we're going to give up on this one. We're going to give up on that one. And so, so many of the models that, Every, all the research is based on, you know, has been disproven by other, you know, investigations and stuff. And so I, for me, and I would love a cure, don't, you know, I'd love for this to be able to go away and we, us be able to figure out how to, how to reverse this. Um, if that's uh, changing our diet and our lifestyle, or if it's taking a pill, I don't care. It'd be great to just have this bugger go away. But I've always thought how, how can we get there if we don't know what the cause is and we don't seem to know what the cause is. And yet there's all these promises being made, you know, that we're going to have a cure by X amount. And I'm like, you know, if you take a simple math equation, you need all the pieces you know, to, to make the equation stay together. And so I, that's never made sense to me. And, and there are more voices like yours coming out now saying, Hey, you know, I, I think this there's something else. Um, you know, some are saying it's it's um, in the gut. Some are, you know, there there's lots of different things that are happening 
in terms of what is the cause of of this and you know saying that there might be more than one cause you know because like with allergies sometimes it's not just one thing it can be a combination of absolutely that, that triggers us and with so many different types of dementias then that complicates it one more step <laughs> over because it's not just alzheimer's disease there's so so many different pieces now before we get dig in deeper to that pam i want to go up to you um since your husband has dementia and just ask what are your thoughts about the you know food business versus curable not curable reversible or not what, what are your thoughts well, actually, Bill and I had this discussion a couple of days ago, too. And um, I, I remember when we, when we met with our neurologist for the very first time, one of the first things he said to me was, why don't you try the Mediterranean diet? He said, I, I really believe that looking at the foods that you're eating, eating the good foods, um, trying to get rid of the sugars, trying to get rid of some of the toxic foods, you know, will really help or will at least help stabilize things. Um, that's great. You know, in reality, a lot of times it's easier for me just to kind of grab something real quick and put it on the table. And of course, you know, when you have a husband who really likes sugar, it's kind of hard to keep it away from him. And I'll admit I like sugar too. So you know, we, we try to have less of that in the house. Um, something we did try right after I read Dr. Walsh's last book was getting, taking, eliminating citrus from his diet because he was starting to get some headaches. And it seemed like every time that he'd get headaches, we'd have a slide backwards in, um, you know, some of the Alzheimer's issues that we were running into. So by eliminating the citrus, you know, he seemed to be more on top of things. We could hold more normal conversations. He seemed to be able to track a lot better. So that's one of the things that we've been doing. Um, so yeah, I'm a strong proponent with, you know, really figuring out what are the, to the, the toxicity in the foods that's hurting the, the person and what can you do at least in moderation to change the diet. And I think it really does help. Well, and it's interesting that you bring up the citrus because one of the, one of the main things I see when I go into long-term care is here's your medicine and some orange juice to wash it down with. So Dr. Walsh, what, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, a lot of what I'm talking about in the book is pretty generally known. Uh, some of, like the problems with sugar is well known. The problem with MSG is known to a lot of people. I think that they don't really appreciate how, how frequent their exposure to MSG is. But when we talk about citrus, that's where nobody really is aware of how, well, I shouldn't say this, but how poisonous citrus really is. Um, I learned that as I learned most of what I know, and, and most of that diet does not come from myself, but comes from my patients, what they told me. You just listen to them. They, they, each one has one factor or some fact that, that teaches you something until you eventually learn what's going on. And that has certainly happened in citrus. Um, 
I I think that I, I that I I'm, that my own experience taught me to really fear citrus, and that's that I have at times uh, cold sores, and they come in the uh, on your lip. And cold sores aren't caused by allergies or citrus or anything like that. They're they're caused by a, a virus that has infected the nerve that supplies and keeps this area whole. Uh, but if you have a cold, it, it, it's all of a sudden the cold sore will pop out because that cold has allowed the virus to activate itself and to really cut down on the effect of this nerve that supplies this area. And if you, if you don't have citrus, the, it'll see, the sore will, still, will stay so small that you can't see it really. But if you have citrus, like a glass of orange juice um, with the cold, as you often will do, it just can flower, just just spread. Because and then you see that citrus actually doesn't cause trouble itself, but it causes trouble because it affects these infected nerves. And I think that these infected nerves extend throughout the body. Uh, so often people who have back pain, uh, which is a common problem, I wonder how often that's because uh, they have uh, infected nerves going into the back and uh, that uh, the, the citrus in their diet keeps these nerves active and the pain there. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, it went beyond that too, if you mind if I mention a little bit further. Sure. Uh, I... I also saw many, many people, you know, patients with eczema. And again, the patients taught me just so much about eczema that, they, that still is not recognized by doctors. But um, I remember a little boy who was, uh, looked like somebody had taken sandpaper to his skin. He was red and itchy and very uncomfortable all, all over. And his mother came in and said, uh, and I said to her, well, as I do, just to try to learn more, uh, do you notice anything that makes him worse? And she said, yes, uh, if he has citrus, he gets worse. Well, I knew she was wrong um, because citrus doesn't cause any trouble. Uh, but I kept my mouth shut because every time I argued with a patient, they came out to be right and I was wrong. So I said, why don't you come on back in a couple of weeks and take the citrus out of his diet? He came back and he was not totally clear, but he had considerably improved and uh, his skin was much better. And if I knew then what I know now, I think I could have carried that all the way to where he had a completely clear skin. And the second thing that uh, told me about citrus and the poison that this thing has uh, is a little girl who looked exactly the same, red and weepy skin all the way up and down. And I used all the wonderful procedures we use to treat people who have eczema or atopic dermatitis, and they just didn't work. And one day she came back and she was just clear as she could be. And I said, with pride, um, isn't that wonderful? Our, we finally are seeing this, what, what we're doing work. And he said, Dr. Walsh, I appreciate your effort, but you didn't do any good. And I said, oh, well, what happens? He said, well, when she gets really 
bad. I was irritated. She hops into a bathtub and washes herself with kitchen cleanser, like Ajax or Old Dutch. That would not be your normal thing to think of, that's for sure. I was so surprised. It took me, I bet it took me a month to figure that out. And finally it hit me. What she was doing was neutralizing the acid in her skin. That, and we still are trying to treat atopic dermatitis and eczema with, with pills and things to put on the skin, salves. Uh, when the, I think the first thing we should, should we do is just take the citrus out of their diet and see if they clear up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and citrus is the third part. If we look at Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's uh, is like a stool with three legs. And one leg is sugar, the second leg is MSG, and the third leg is citrus. And if you knock out all three of the legs, you can, this, the, that stool doesn't work anymore. Wow. I have a question for you regarding the citrus, and this might sound kind of naive and I guess I'm I'm just never been good with the the food thing so um because to me you know I take my vitamin c would my vitamin c kick off that citrus thing or or is that out of there and vitamin c is ascorbic acid where we're talking about citric acid okay they're entirely different acids and and you really get enough if you have a good diet you know mm-hmm. greens and good vegetables and good meat and so forth uh you 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 get enough vitamin c to be comfortable and to be healthy okay see like i said i i'm just not good at that stuff and i always picture i think of oranges as citrus and i think of my my vitamin c i clump them all together so i wanted to I wanted to ask because there's probably some dummy out there like me too thinking the same thing. So you're uh, no dummy, you're a very smart person. I <laughs> uh, actually, you bring up a really good point, and that's that um, there uh, that it it would be helpful to have people who helped you, and I would hope that I I will be able to eventually teach the to the people who care for dementia and Alzheimer's and so forth about how to how to uh, how to use that diet and see if they if they can reverse the problem but it's not an easy diet to follow it's bad and, and both of you are, are saying the same thing it's very hard to follow I follow it because I don't have a choice if if I don't follow it I can't talk mm-hmm. uh, but you have, you're less bothered, so you can get by with a lot more. But if, if the people who manage and help the persons uh, involved with Alzheimer's and gave moral support, uh, they could be, give so much help. And, and it's not that you, once you follow the diet, you lose the need for them. You, now, what do you think about, you know, there's always that correlation between Alzheimer's and and diabetes. What are your thoughts on that? That's a real close uh, correlation. We know that uh, that there is an unusually large incidence of Alzheimer's in diabetics. So obviously, it is hurting the nerves. And when you really think about it, um, you get into the problem with sugar. Sugar is a poison. And one of the things that poisons do 
uh, if if you have sugar, that sweet sugar, um, it it calls it, it tells the pancreas that it's um, uh, that you're going to see a starvation, and mm -hmm. so the pancreas elaborates lots of insulin, and so your body the high, the insulin goes so high that eventually it wears out the pancreas. Uh, nerves don't last well in that sort of an environment. They, they're delicate. And, and if you disrupt the, them, uh, you, 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 you can see why that correlation exists. Because you, if you already have a tendency toward something like uh, uh, a dementia such as uh, Alzheimer's, it's going to speed it along. It's going to make it uh, uh, more possible. And I think you've already mentioned that um, the, the the same thing can happen if you are inactive physically or mentally. You've got to stay mentally and physically active. Otherwise, you 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 are at great danger of, of having dementia. Mm -hmm. I know for myself, I'm getting much more sedentary. And, you know, and I can feel the, the stiffness and, you know, the whole and the muscle loss and the whole nine yards. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm not even 60 yet. I will be next year. But it's like I got to I got to change that up because I, I'm feeling a lot older than I've ever felt. And I've always felt much younger than than my age. But I can I can feel the difference sitting in front of this computer as much as I do, you know, with my work. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, uh, Dr. Walsh, was the relationship with Parkinson's disease and those symptoms and, and food. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, the difference between uh, the person who gets uh, Parkinson's and who gets Alzheimer's is the, the location in the brain where the damage is. And that's really where what that is. In other words, uh, if you have brain damage, if you have your damage here, you get uh, Alzheimer's. If you have your damage here, you get uh, Parkinson. And and I I think to carry beyond a little bit further about what I'm talking about here with what I in saying, if you would accept the fact that the foods that we're eating are damaging to nerves, why would you ever? And you had company over. Why would you either feed company or or your own? Uh, loved ones, foods that are neurotoxins, mm -hmm. and I, I think that I think that there's a great chance that you can reverse a lot of Parkinson if you just stop feeding them the stuff that destroys the brain cells that are being destroyed. Oh, it makes me think I am doing the memory cafes, and what do we have? Cookies and brownies, and <laughs> you know, yeah, bad. Bad, bad, bad. You know, we need to change that. And <laughs> that's, that's why I think there's such a need for people skilled to help these people. We're not getting rid of it. Or, or it's, they, they, they're still needed. They're still necessary. They just have to know how to help these people out of these problems. Well, and I think some of it is just such habit. You know, this is the way we've always done it. And this is what you do when you have a function. And this is what's easy. So we're going to grab it. And I mean, there's all different types of excuses and just the standards. And, and um, 
change is hard. You know, it, it's hard to break those old habits, but um, the more education we can get out there, I mean, those are easy changes to extend your quality of life. I mean, really, if if we truly believe that and and um, and want change, you know, and we and we, I mean, it doesn't hurt to try. You know, it's invaluable because you're spreading that information out there that can help so many people. I, I'm so pleased to be on your show because I want to make, I want to help you in any way that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, you had um, talked to me at one time about um, Tom Brady of the Patriots and uh, who is a quarterback who, you know, uh, says his diet is a huge influence on his life and and he was talking about when he was younger and um, he was hurting all the time. And then he, he changed his eating habits. And he says his arm never hurts. His body never really hurts anymore. And he attributes that to his, to his diet. And, and I'm sure his, his overall life protocol in terms of how he, how he lives his life. Can you tell people what is, because, you know, we can talk about what not to eat. And again, a lot of that has to do with chemicals, and yet people don't necessarily know how to how to find those or how to figure out what's in everything. And sometimes it's just asking. You know, if you're out if you're out at a restaurant, you can ask, "Does this have MSG in it?" You know, we can we can ask to be catered to, and they can make it without a lot of times. Or um, or reading labels, I would imagine as well. Um, you know, with the citric acids, is there certain, certain things that we should be looking for? Cause like for me, I think of, of, you know, fruits, but I'm looking at a list here where it's got, um, tomatoes and potatoes and peppers. And I'm thinking those are good for me. <laughs> there, that's, that's the sad part of this whole thing because the diet that I follow, takes away good food and I just don't have it. My foods are very limited. Yeah, and, and grapes and wine, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, all of those little things that we just, um, we don't always think are, are going to be a problem for us, but really having to analyze and even if we can't cut it all out, but to be able to at least cut it down or to pick, like Pam said, one thing and cut it out and see if you're seeing a difference, you know, with it. Um, that would make a, a huge, huge difference. Pam, for you guys in terms of, of trying to change diet and things, and you were realistic about you both like sweets and you're probably not going to cut those out altogether, but have you, have you seen a difference when you do for both of you? Oh, absolutely. I've seen a huge difference. Um, if like on holidays or sometimes when we go to different events, there happens to be a lot of sugar, there happens to be a lot of alcohol, there happens to be a lot of um, cheese, which is another thing that I said to Dr. Walsh, I refuse to give up. Sorry. <laughs> I was born in Wisconsin. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway um, you know, I, I've noticed that when we have a lot of those more toxic foods, I would say that he's more lethargic, um, a, a little more. Sometimes we, he's uh, 
it's more difficult for him to remember things. The memory seems to be worse. Things are a little bit slower. Where when we've eaten, you know, let's say some of the the better better foods, and we've stayed away from the sugars and and some of those other things, we seem to be able to track a lot better, hold on conversations for a lot longer, and are in a happier place altogether. So I mean, there there truly is a difference for both him and me. Mm-hmm. Because I remember one time in my life, I cut sugar down to almost nothing, and um, it it made a huge difference in my personal stress level. Oh, interesting! Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's uh, and uh, stress, you know, adds to the whole dementia circle on both sides with that. And so I think that's something that we have to really be conscious of. Um, uh, Dr. Walsh, what do, what do you eat? I mean, you said that you hold to this pretty strict. So, you know, what are you eating? Nuts? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, everything that has been, well, a lot, a lot of foods, uh, let me put it this way, a lot of foods that uh, have been farmed over the last couple of thousand years uh, have been modified extensively genetically uh, from uh foods that have really little taste to foods that have a lot of taste. And that happens with fruit, unfortunately. Fruit, most fruits will have some, uh, uh, have citrus in them and and sugar. Uh, And uh, I regard them in my diet as uh, candy. And I'll have some like blueberries in the morning and and enjoy it. And I'll eat them frozen because it tastes like candy. And I would love to go back to candy, but I know I can't do it. Um, And we, and because of uh, potatoes and tomatoes and so forth, having citrus and also apples, uh, apples are really changed from what they were originally. Uh, And we, if I have too much of an apple, I will start to have itchiness coming out of my tear ducts because the body is trying to get rid of it and it sends it out of the tear ducts and the tear ducts and I just get really itchy in here, uh, like people who have atopic dermatitis or eczema. So uh, for breakfast, uh, uh, we will have a half of uh, apple and split it between two of us and that's our, and a little bit of, of, of blueberries. Uh, any f- untouched meat, like no no links, uh, but anything that's just plain meat and nobody's injected it or did anything else with it, we can have any of it. So that's bird and uh, sheep and and uh, uh, beef and uh, uh, the, those type of things. But uh, any. It, Anytime that you start taking meat and put it into a form, you you have to put sweetness with it or uh, MSG. And I learned that myself because one time I decided I'd show all these people how to do this stuff so that they didn't have to put that in to uh, meat products. And I uh, went to the store and I, I bought uh, fish and beef and pork and uh, everything else I could think of and, and put it in bought a grinder and ground it all together and made four, 40 patties out of it. 
And I cooked them and I took it out of there and I took a bite out of it. And all of a sudden I knew why they had to put stuff in it. It tasted terrible. It had absolutely, it was like eating wet cardboard or something like that. So if, if the bird if, or, the, or the steak, if it's untouched, if they haven't done anything with it, they no, no seasoning, no uh, injection, no anything like that, then, then they're, that's okay. That, that forms a base for a diet. Uh, vegetables, particularly vegetables that don't taste citrusy or sweet. Um, and I have to mention one thing uh, about sugar, and that's that sugar you have to watch because we are addicted to sugar. It's not easy to give it up. And uh, if I have a little bit of sugar, I want 10. If I have a little candy, I want 10 of them right away. And if I don't have any, I'm used to not having it. Uh, but sugar is really a poison because sugar, uh, I already mentioned that it's a prime cause of diabetes because it forces the body to put all this insulin until it wears out the, the um, pancreas. But it goes further than that. I once weighed 100 pounds more than I weigh now. And I knew that I had no ability, no, I, I don't have the strength to follow a diet. I thought I can take one thing out of my diet. So I took sugar out. And I learned as long as I don't have sugar that I will lose weight. In fact, I'm still losing weight. I'm down to 145 pounds and I hope someday I'll stop because I want to stop at about 170. But as long as I won't eat sugar, I keep losing weight because the body does not want sugar. It will cast it off. As soon as you go back to the sweets, It'll start to grab all the all the carbohydrates, all the uh, sugars, and make fat out of them. Pack them around here and pack them into your coronary arteries and up into your neck so that you have strokes and so forth. Uh, if you drop sugar entirely, you must lose weight. Um, and it probably and I, I probably have to really drop pretty much the MSG and the citrus too in order to make that work. Uh, why I eat a high fat diet, why don't I gain weight? Because the body won't absorb the fat that I'm eating. I eat a lot of fat during the day. It just pushes it through. And so it does not end up as fat. I can eat a steak that has marble and eat the whole thing and plus all the fat on the side and I don't gain an ounce with it. Uh, but it, it's just that the body just won't accept it. It, it just passes it through. I hope I made that. That's a point that I think that is very important for people, particularly people who might want to lose weight. This is an avenue to do it. Okay. I have a question for you on the MSG because you had mentioned about, I, I think of MSG and I think of Chinese food. You know, that's what I associate it with. But it sounds like it's in a lot more than just Chinese food. Um, in processed food and and uh, and so forth. Can you give us some hints on that? Yes, I can. MSG is uh, an amino acid. It's uh, probably the most uh, frequently used amino acid in making the proteins of your body. And amino acids are like uh, little those little blocks that you put together to make a house out of or something like that. And you, you put together these amino acids like that. 
as long as the amino acid is tied up in the protein, it causes no problem because the body, for some reason, knows how to uh, take care of it. Uh, but uh, we have learned how to isolate that MSG, that protein, by breaking down the protein by um, uh, various ways into amino acids. And then uh, the reason that we like that is that it makes everything taste better. If you hear that somebody, if you go to a restaurant because they are, their steaks are actually good, the reason that their taste actually extra good is because that they're using a lot of MSG that has been isolated. Where do they get isolated from? Well, MSG, they take soy protein or milk protein and break it down by acid, by boiling, by... Uh, or they ferment something. That's why cheese is such a problem because in the making of, uh, okay, I'm sorry about that. Uh, in, in the making of cheese, the, the milk protein is broken down into little amino acids. The more it's broken down, the more MSG you get out of it. Uh, so something like cottage cheese wouldn't have, would have MSG, but not as much as say Parmesan. Parmesan is really, it's really full of MSG because most of that protein is broken down, and so it's released the MSG. Did, is that understandable, or do you have any questions coming out of it? Well, I think that, I think I'll have a zillion questions and stuff, but we only have have so much time. I want to ask you one other thing about um, our our food products because we use a lot of pesticides and stuff too. Um, you know, to uh, supposedly protect our our foods. What, what are your thoughts on, you know, I mean, even if we're eating, you know, vegetables and fruit in terms of cleansing them, you know, prior to any food for thought on that? I'm sorry, I don't have, uh, I, I am an expert in people and diet and so forth, but in, in that direction, I, I don't know. Okay. I agree, I would agree with you. By the way, one extra thing about MSG, and that is so complicated that in my book, I made a chapter was so long, I had to break it into five parts in order to make it so that you could take a bite at a time and look at one aspect of it at a time. And uh, so it, the MSG, that's why MSG is a hard one to take out of your diet because you don't realize how much of it's there. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you both for taking so much time, you know, with us today. This, I learned a lot, and I would highly recommend your book, um, Retaining the Mind. And you can get a hold of Dr. Walsh uh, a couple of ways. You can go to his website, which is drwalsh.com, drwalsh.com, or you can email him at acallergy at gmail.com. And then are you comfortable giving out a phone number as well if, if anyone wanted to call you? or? Yeah, I okay. would, absolutely. Okay, um, so I have that as uh, 651-587-5600. That's 651-587-5600. And again, I, I just um, thank you both for participating in the in the show today. I think it's very informational and um, something that we seriously have to take a look at. And you're, you know, you're both seeing results. We're hearing more and more people talk about this. And I, I think it's a conversation that needs to be heard, you know, needs to be tried. So again, thank you. Thank you for having me. I think uh, your work is awesome. Well, thanks.
Um, Pam, any last comments that you have? I would say that read the book. It really, really opens your mind and it really, really helps you to think about what can you do in moderation? What are the small steps that you can take to help you along this journey? Okay, great. Any last tips, Dr. Walsh, that you want to give people? Oh, I've got a million. <laughs> I it, it, Learn all that you can. Uh, it looks, it sounds so terrible uh, that you have to avoid all this, but if, if your problem is minor, you only have to take away enough food so that you can recover. It's somebody like me who is really on the, on the knife edge of going over the side that has to be so careful about everything that you eat. So, um, and remember that God is perfect, you're not. And if you're like me, you cheat and see what you get by with and when you go to the bar, you pull back and say, oh, I better not do that. <laughs> well, and I, I think you, you bring up a good point that, you know, it, the more we are aware earlier on, you know, the, the better off we'll all be. You know, with this somebody who's going to get Alzheimer's may not get it if they start early enough with taking away some of the worst things. They don't have to take away everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and it's another thing for just uh, people who are care partners to looking for just other triggers that could be causing some of the symptoms. I think that that would be really helpful as well. So again, thank you both. I want to give a shout out to the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation who um, looks at things from a holistic aspect. So if you're, again, they look at diet and exercise and meditation, pulling all of those things together, you can go to alzheimersprevention.org for more information from them. Or calendar cards, which is a memory system, and calendar and cards is not with a C but with a K. It has a, a great system you can check out. They also um, have a directory of all of our memory cafes that we know about in the U.S. And right now we're pushing 460. And I just talked with Dave the other day, and he he said he's got about 10 more to put in. So we're pushing that 500 mark. And you can uh, go to memorycafedirectory.com. Again, that's memorycafedirectory.com to see what's in your area. And or if maybe you have one you want to um, get into the directory, you can reach out to Dave and he will do that for free. Uh, thank you again for listening and please share this with others. And again, I thank our guests, Dr. Welsh and Pam, for being with us. Till next time. Bye now. Well, hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families, too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.